morning. I'll give you a little bit of background of me, because most you new people who don't know me. I'm Tony Delalio, and I work at, Bab- at Boys Ranch Town, part of Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children. And I uh, have all my crew over here, my wonderful associates, who give my wife and I a day off. Praise the Lord. And uh, so they're here. Uh, we, uh, we've been doing this for nine and a half years this round, and I did it in 95 to 98 three years, and I decided that God needed to send me to Hawaii. Suffered for Jesus, 13 years. Yes, I'll share a little bit about that later. Uh, Because my daughter told me I couldn't share my testimony, but this is the first service, and she's not here, so I can share a little bit. uh, But I wanted you to think about this question. Uh, Pastor Eric does this all the time. I felt it'd be good. Think about a time when you were disciplined by your parents. And I want you to talk about that with one. Think of a time when you were disciplined by your parents. And how did you feel afterwards? Think about that for a few minutes. Now I'll tell you a little story about my wonderful discipline from my dad. Because, see, when I was growing up, we used to have a garden, and it was about a quarter of a mile long rows. And back in those days, if you know what a tiller is, it's one of those things that tills up the dirt. When these long rows of butter beans and peas and all the things that I love to eat, I had to go one day, and I didn't want to go. And I was in the back of the truck, and I was mad, and I said something I probably should not have said, and guess what happened? Oh, my dad slammed on the brakes of that truck and almost threw me out, and we, when he did grab me, he grabbed me back here. You know, I'm a little fella then. I'm kind of like uh, probably as big as Kendall over here, and he picks me up like this and wears me out and threw me down. And the big tears in my eyes, you know, because I just got the worst butt whooping you could ever imagine. And, uh, but my tears told my dad that he got his point across. I should not have said those bad words that I didn't want to run that tiller down that row. Because you see, when I was young, we learned to do things without cell phones, no video games. TV was a luxury I remember having a black and white TV. I don't know if you guys ever had a black and white TV, but I had one. And uh, we didn't have cable. One of us had to go out and turn the antenna a little bit to get the reception to come in to watch my favorite cartoons on Saturday, Space Ghost. Anybody ever watch that? You ever seen that? <laughs> I got one person, Matt. And you think about it, when you are disciplined by your father, it hurts. It's painful. You know, when we accept Christ, God has a way of disciplining us. You know, we accept him and we put him in our head. Right? The first thing you do is you read the Bible. And you 
put God, you read scriptures, and you put him in your head. You know, I'm, a, I'm standing over here singing a few minutes ago, and I think it was the third song after the kids' song. And every time I know that God is speaking to me is when I start crying in the middle of the song. I don't know about you, but that is God helping me cope. That means I've taken God from my head and I put him in my heart. And when I do that, I find out that, wow, I can do things I never thought I could do before. So my question to you this morning, our title this morning is Holiness and Discipline. And the first thing we talked about is discipline. Father disciplines us just like a, heavenly, a earthly, earthly father disciplines his kids. Now my boys over here know that I can't spank them as much as I'd love to, but I can't. But they do know that a hard chair at the table is not a fun thing to do. Especially the older ones who don't think they need to sit at the table, but have to when they mess up. Our Heavenly Father disciplines us in the same manner. He wants the truth that we read from God's Word to get into our heart. Because He knows if it gets into our heart, we're going to do something special. Now think about this. How do you get the truth from the heart? Well, I have an old passage that I came across, and I think you'll like it. Joel, anybody know what the book of Joel is? It's right between Hosea and Amos in your Bible. It's on page 540 in my Bible. And uh, Joel chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 say this. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Did you hear that? Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. And you think about that command. I like it because it says... Turn to me now. It doesn't say wait till tomorrow to do it. It says turn to me now. So this past week, have you ran across someone that you showed Jesus' love to? Anybody ran across someone? I run across six of them every day. You think about that person. Could you have done something different when you ran into the person? Could you have shared a little bit of Jesus and when you think about what God is doing in your life, how will you know when the truth hits your heart and really tears you up? Listen to what Jeremiah says. If only my head were a pool of water and my eyes a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for all my people who have been slaughtered. When God gets inside of your heart, the tears start to flow. And when they start to flow, people start to notice. And I don't know about you, but every time I come and I worship here in my church, and my brother over here, Matt, and the praise team sings a song that causes me to tears, I know that I am worshiping with my heart and not just my head. I can put all the head knowledge I want, but if I, till I put it in my heart, I haven't, broken, I haven't been broken before the Father. 
Because discipline from the Father comes when He breaks our heart and the tears start flowing out and we start to respond to what He wants us to do each day. So how do you start this process? Oh, I'm sure glad you asked how you start this process. When was the last time you've done this famous thing that children of God do? Pray. You know, I told Matt on the phone last night that I wanted him to pray with me this morning. The first thing we did when we got back here was we went and prayed. Effective prayer in your life changes your heart. Now look at this. James chapter 5 verses 16 and through 18 says this. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are. And yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall. None fell for, the, for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again... The sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Think about what Elijah did. He prayed. Now, Elijah was a righteous man. A righteous man praying is one who has come before the Lord and, the Lord and made himself right. And you think about in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. Where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And there was a big veil put up. In order for a priest to go into the Holy of Holies, he had to have a rope tied around his ankle and a bell on his cloak. And when he went in, if he wasn't right with God and he put the offering that was offered up on, in there and he happened to touch the Ark of the Covenant with unclean hands... He instantly died. Okay, guys, you're going to wait a minute. Yes, that's how it was. So what if we had to do that today? We had to bring our Bradley over here, brought me his fatted calf, the one you've been raising for 20 years, and it was a blemished, unblemished calf, and I had to sacrifice it for him. But I wasn't clean. Well, if I wasn't clean, that means Bradley's sins were not going to be forgiven. In the Old Testament, you had to bring the best thing to the altar to be sacrificed. What is the best thing you own, you have, that you can bring to the Father and lay at the altar? Hmm. I don't know about all those things that I have. Because many years ago, I decided that the things that I have were not that important as my heart. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to give God all of my heart. Because when I gave him all of my heart, he used me to do things that I never thought I could do in life. And when you decide that you want to get the knowledge from your head to your heart, you're going to have to be like Elijah. Start to pray, effective prayer, so that you can share the love of Christ. Now, part of our mission statement is we're in that part where we need to fill that baptism over here. It's right behind us. You notice it's been in different locations around the campus. It was outside one time. It was down here one time. It's back there one time. It's a reminder that we need to pray for someone 
who needs Jesus. Now, raise your hand if you know someone who needs Jesus. Oh, yeah. So you have at least one person you can pray for. Am I correct? Because I pray for my, my boys don't know this, but I pray for them every day. Because I know that if I don't pray for them every day, I can't be the Jesus God wants me to be for them. Yes, I make mistakes, and yes, you're going to make mistakes. But one of the things about a mistake is that you learn from it, and you become a better person because you made the mistake. Now, how many of you ever made mistakes? Come on, raise your hands. Did you learn anything from your mistake? How about the big mistake? I had a big mistake, very big mistake. I lived in Hawaii. No, that wasn't a mistake. That was a, good, that was a good thing. I can tell you one of the things that I did that God disciplined me over, and that was the financial side of my business. I was not, I'm not a businessman. I'm a person who stands up here and shares Jesus. I wasn't told I needed to learn how to be a businessman in Hawaii, but I did. I had to learn the hard way. One time I got fined because I didn't have the right container to put liquids in. Because, see, I was a mechanic. You had to have containers to put your old antifreeze and oil in. I didn't have the right containers, so I got fined $500 for not having the right containers. EPA come out, and yeah, when they come out, they come out with a fine tooth comb, and they whoop through your business, and they write you up, and that's what happened. But I paid the fine. I was disciplined by the state of Hawaii because I messed up. I didn't follow those rules. Father disciplines us all through life in what we're doing. But one of the most effective things we need to do is pray. And without prayer, we can't do things. Now listen to what Luke chapter 3 verse 4 says. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. That road is the road of holiness. Now we're going to switch to that most important word. Holiness. And when you think about holiness, you think about purity, something white. The other day I had barbecue, and I cooked barbecue chicken for the boys. And I had this little mop, you know, you put your barbecue sauce in, you put it all over the meat. Well, after, after I clean it, one of the coolest things, I would have brought it, but I'd had, I'd been smelling like barbecue sauce to demonstrate. So what I do is I take a little bit of bleach and water, and I put it in it. After I wash it off in the, under the faucet, and I drop it in, in a matter of minutes, it becomes pure white, just like it was when I started. All the barbecue sauce is gone, and the water is white. And I can't figure this out. Just a little bit of bleach will clean it up perfectly every time. And all I got to do is let it sit for maybe five minutes. What if you give God five minutes of time for him to purify your heart? how better your day would be. You know, God's not asking for everything. Well, yes, he is. But are you willing to give him everything? Because five minutes for him to purify your heart for your day is priceless. Because that day you're going to run into someone, that one person you raised your hand about a while ago, who needs to see Jesus in you in this 2020 world that we live in right now. 
You know, you may not have your antibacterial wipes with you, but you do have Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I think he can kick this coronavirus as hard as he wants and when he wants. This is not just one plague that's hit the world. This is one of many that has hit the world. And you think about how God has helped every single generation come through it. And this is our new normal. I'm going to get used to wearing my mask wherever I go. My ministry at the Boys Ranch requires us when we leave campus to wear a mask. I have to wear a mask when I leave. That's okay. I'm good with it. But when I go out, I know one thing that I do is that I pray that God will help me through each and everything that I do each day. So how do you know when you have the effective effects of holiness in your life? Turn in your Bibles. I want you to follow along with me. This is Hebrews chapter 12. This is our focal passage. I just built you up until we got to the focal passage. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. I mean, verse says 7 through 12. Let's start with. And one of the effects of holiness is dying to all of our selfish desires is the only way to begin to live. You know, I have a lot of selfish desires. But I have a favorite book that I read by Dr. Gary Smalley, and he writes this about this. He says, his highest will for us is twofold. To love and crave him, and to love and to crave to serve others. To love, to crave him, and to love, to crave, to serve others. And listen to the verses. As you endure, endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who has never been disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means you are illegitimate. And are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our heavenly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God disciplines is always good for us. So that we may share his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. How often do you pray each day that God will discipline you and mold you to be that person others need to see? Remember, we're here to serve others. My goal in Hawaii was to go and share the love of Christ. Go and make disciples. I took 15 boys, 15 youth, four adults, and in three years we turned it into 75 kids and 25 adults. The first thing I did was pray. The second thing I did was pray. The third thing I did was pray. And you know how this is going. Because, you see, I could not do anything without God's guidance, direction, and purifying me. I am not effective in sharing the love of Christ with anyone 
unless I pray to God to share with me first. He has to cleanse me. My prayer every morning when I wake up, I praise God, I repent, and I say these words, creating me a clean heart, O God, renew your steadfast spirit within me. You recognize where that comes from? Psalm 51. I, pr- I ask God to cleanse me. How do you do that? Do you pray for God to cleanse you first? Because he's the one who does the cleansing, not me. I cannot be effective in doing what I do with the boys that we take care of unless I prepare in advance. You are the same way. You run into people every single day that you need to share Jesus with. Sometimes it's with a smile. But if you're all grouchy and not feeling well, maybe you got the virus, you're not wanting to smile, am I correct? You want to just stay in your little quarantined area like Pastor Eric is right now and just going, I don't want to be a part of this. God gives us the strength to do things that we never thought we could do. We first have to pray. Think about this. When you decide to surrender to God, it's going to create a passion in you. How many of you like doing things? How many of you really like? Think of the thing you like to do the most in this world, and you're so passionate about it that it consumes you. Yeah, I got some time thinking now. That consumption of that passion to do something that you really like doing. Now, years ago, I had this blood streak in me when I was in my early 20s. It was to go as fast as I can on four wheels. I had a passion. It drove me. I, I went to bed thinking about how fast I could go in my 1968 Camaro because... It was my world, you see. My world was built around this car. And yes, I went fast. And yes, it was fun. And yes, I, le- I slept thinking Camaro. I slept thinking going fast. It consumed me. It was my passion. Until God woke me up. And when he woke me up, he said, sell it. You know, I tried to keep it, but he said, sell it. And I'm going, okay. The moment I sold it, the moment I knew why, that God needed to be my most passionate thing in life. The things I needed to do the most needed to be about him and for him. Not about me, but for him. Because for him means he will be with me when I do them. Being passionate. The second part of Hebrews 13 through 16 says this. Mark out a straight path for for your feet, so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Walk, walk, I mean work, at living in peace with with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other, so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up 
to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know, pursuing holiness takes living in peace. Working hard and sharing Jesus. We're given a command. It's not something you just do. It's something you're commanded to do by this book right here. Love your neighbor. The moment you decide that loving your neighbor is your passion, that little baptism back there, we're going to have a line filling it in. Making Jesus your passion. Serving others your passion. It makes you a better person. Because Jesus is using you to be the light to the world. That's what I was told when I went to Hawaii. That I needed to be the light. I, told, I was told I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. I tried all their techniques of sharing Jesus. And then I discovered one of the things I needed to do the most was just love them. And when I started to love them, they started coming in. When I started being Jesus, they started coming in. I didn't have to go knock on their doors. I just started loving everyone I came in contact with. And they walked through the door wanting to know more about Jesus. You have that same calling when you put Jesus in your heart. It's not just me. You know, pastoring for over almost 20 years, I realized that one of the things I still have is that passion to share his love wherever I go and whatever I do. Am I perfect at it? By no means. Do I make mistakes? Yes. Is it okay? Yes. Remember, God says, when you pray to me, I will give you the strength to do something you never thought you could do, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. What a hard thing to do is to love your neighbor. You know, you're sitting next to your neighbors. They may be your family members, but still they're your neighbors. Sharing your love with them, God's love, is your goal in life. Allow God access to your thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, second part says, Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's the New American Standard Version. That's how I memorized it. Because I thought that is the most important thing. How many thoughts run through your brain every single day? Some of you can't shut them off when you go to sleep. Am I right? I have that problem. Sometimes I wake up and pick up my phone and start reading something else because my brain will not shut down. God has to tell me something. I start praying. I start surrendering. No matter what you do in life, God knows what it is. He's only one person that knows all your thoughts, and that's Jesus. That's why he says, take all of your thoughts to him. In Romans chapter, I think it's chapter 12, verse 2, says, renew your minds daily. When you renew your mind daily in prayer, you start to see God working in your life. I'd like to close you with this passage. Galatians 5, verses 13 through 14 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. 
For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. This morning, as you're thinking about all this Bible knowledge I just gave you on how to be holy and disciplined in your life, has it gotten from here 12 inches down to right here? Because if it hasn't, today's the day where this altar is where you begin. Or sitting in your seat. To where Father can work in your heart like no other time in your life. Remember, we live in a world that's uncertain. It's never going to be perfect. But Jesus wants to be a part of your life right here, right now, this morning. So will you surrender not just your head to him, your heart to him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just come to you this morning just surrendering your people, your children. Father, we were created in your image. We're here to serve you the way you want us to serve you, Father. And Father, this morning there are some here who need to get the head knowledge down to the heart. And I, Father, I pray that they will transform their, you will transform their heart right here, right now to be more like you. You will open the floodgates of tears in their eyes that they will need, they will need to get rid of all the anger, all the chaos, all the things that can control their lives. I pray that you will just break them this morning. They will open their eyes and let the tears flow for you. Father, I surrender your people right here to you. Father, we love you and we praise you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We have our offering buckets out here when you get ready to leave. I will be over here if you need to come and share with me as Matt leads us in our song. If you need to talk with Bradley or Pete, we'll be around. Just look for us. We'll be glad to talk with you.